Sì. Non ci stile, sta facendo. Domani le chiamate di Petra, lo fai. Catching up with people with new projects when not here on Film Noobs. Um, this week, um, I know I took a, about a week off or so. Again, school and everything else that's going happening on our end. Um, so I kind of have to periodically, you know, take breaks here and there. But this week, um, I'm bringing back one old friend of mine. Uh, he was with us when we first launched Film Noobs. We had um, the old crew. Uh, so we're bringing him back because him and his director or, or creative partner or uh, I don't know how to call you. Just badass motherfucker. I don't know what <laughs> badass motherfucker. What are you like? <laughs> uh, you, you were the director, writer, director of uh, what the tells of a horror. Mm -hmm. um, it came out. It's in distribution, so we'll, we'll talk about a little bit about that. But okay. guys, um, let's let's introduce yourselves, and uh, we'll get this podcast started for this week. Um, go ahead, Mario. I guess I'll start first. I'm Christopher Ambris. I am the writer director of Muerte Tales of Horror, and I'm also the uh, co-founder of Night Creature Productions that I started with Luis Alvarado in 1998. Um, I'm Mario Aguilar. I am like an associate producer uh, for Night Creature Productions and uh, been working with Chris since uh, Muerte and uh, or before that, but uh, we seem to get along. So we're still together here doing stuff and having a good that's, time. That's right, Hi. sir. Nice, nice. So y'all, y'all both mentioned that y'all been working into that what shit since what year? Uh, we started uh, working on Muerte segments with Mario. Well, actually, he was in the date. He's in the background in the date, and that was in 2016. Uh -huh. But we shot all of the Muerte segments with him playing the El Kukui in 2017, and he had to do it a number of times actually. So he had the segment, and he also had the wraparound. Okay. Man, 2016. And now the Night Creature Productions, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. Night Creature Productions, that's your company. Mm -hmm. um, how long have you had that again? Uh, we officially started the production company back in 1998. We were working on a low-budget shot-on-video horror film here in Corpus Christi, Texas called Dark Blood. And it was about vampires in high school and the guys kind of figuring out who they are and kind of facing off. And we did it on real uh, low budget, uh, high eight, uh, editing tape to tape, put it together. It was a 90 minute film and we screened it around and did a bit of stuff with that. And we had all the same kind of crazy visual effects and special makeup effects and stuff like that. And that was our kind of our first quote unquote legit film. You know, that was a feature film wow. and it was, it was a really tough shoot. It took us about two years to make on and off while we were in college, going to Del Mar college and uh, we finished it and it was kind of, it was that first step and for us to start doing other projects, we did a number of other short films and, and then finally came back to doing another feature film with Muerte. Okay. 
Man, dude, you are the motherfucking man because you're talking about old school video, real to real editing. I remember when I, I I was in high school and we had this box, and yeah, it was big, high eight, you know, almost like a VHS. For those of you who don't know how what high eight is, like a big, fat, juicy, you know, VHS tape, and you have these two giant boxes side by side, and you're plugging buttons, plugging buttons, and hopefully you get it right because if you hit one wrong button, you've just erased the whole thing. You're like, ah, dude. So yeah, dude, you're a beast, Chris. You did it actually. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> It was tough doing a feature film on um, v- Super VHS from high eight to Super VHS because you, you didn't have the benefit of going back once you wanted to re-edit something. You really had to plan your shots. You really had to kind of like set your mind on how your edits were going to go. There was none of this playing around with the timeline. Like now we were so spoiled with and following the script. And that's why it's really important that you know, when we write a new project or we come into something like that, that the script is locked down because you that is your lifeline when you're editing. And yeah, you'll make some variations to the material, but eventually you have to settle on what was the guideline in making the film. So you're following that script, you're following your edits and trying to match up as closely as possible. And, you know, and of course, like your budget and your performances and everything will determine the final outcome of what you make. Well, so and honestly, I could we could talk shop about this like forever. The fact that you've actually seen the 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 turn from manually editing an edit bay where it's nonlinear. It, well, it's actually linear, but you know it, it's it's tape to where we start to go into VHS tape, which is a little bit easier, a lot easier to kind of maneuver, uh, edit, you know, manipulate certain things to where we jump into now it's nonlinear, all digital and you like fuck it dude i could i could you know record all day the same scene and i'll plug in one word from here one word from there and by the time you know you never knew it was totally different right and again too like at the beginning of nonlinear, going into the second and third projects that we did we did a faceless in one dark night uh hard drive was kind of the big issue back in the day you know when you were editing and trying to get your your put put together your projects because you would run out of space real fast yeah yeah. and it was interesting to see the evolution of hard drives and and uh processors and it got just got better and better as time went along and it's just now it's just where your mind can go with all the projects yeah it's true because uh even with my first film i did it um 1080 and I really, really quickly learned that you could only do so much on a laptop before you have to go into a desktop. And even in a desktop, you know, external drives, you eat them up because, again, you either have an SSD drive, but that costs money. And yeah, dude, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. So, yeah, we like I said, we can talk shop. We can talk shop all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially in independent film, you, you kind of like you have to learn the hard way because um, one, we one don't have the money and two is just whatever's around us we fucking do it and we just took along with that yeah yeah it's it's uh it's always either an issue of time or resources but it's never one or the other more than so it's like you really have to try to put something together and put it together well that's badass now no <laughs> i'm sorry Mario. i don't mean to like i just again talking shop and i love doing that i know you were with us the when um what the tells of, of her actually first came out on streaming service and we came well you came to the to the podcast 
we talked about that and it's been out for what roughly about the same time we did so about five years yeah four or five years yeah yeah because you came out right before us and then i think it was like at the end of the year we launched ours the the lvz launched and but you've actually been on the streaming platforms a little bit longer um how has that like catches up on 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 how the whole process has been man uh, well, I mean, Chris will probably tell you a little more of the analytic part of it, but as far as uh, promoting it, it, it's been pretty much our job to do it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and every other place we can promote it uh, and push it. Uh, being a horror film, it's you know, it's you always got the, it's always got that place in October, right, where you're gonna be lucky to be seen by because people want to watch horror movies and watch them all during October. You know, we even have marathons where there's a horror movie every night for thirty days on tv so um the chances of it being seen on in october september maybe area uh is greater than the rest of the year probably uh but i think that we pushing it for what's going on like i said four or five years we still push it we still on certain occasions you know we we, we just we try to get people to more people to watch it and see it um i think that uh even now recently i've, I've talked to some people that didn't even know that i did it that time and and they're just new people that oh yeah, I haven't seen it so I'll send it to them or I'll send them a link and they'll go take a look at it. Uh, but yeah, we, it's now that it's on Tubi and it's free to see. You know, you could. It's uh, a lot more people are, are having access to it. So streaming services are a really good thing. I mean, even back when we talked when it first came out, we were having issues. It was just Amazon, yeah. right? It was kind of like that's where you wanted to go. Uh, but now that, that even in those four or five years. Uh, Shutter and uh, Tubi and Flex TV and there's all these different kind of uh, smaller streaming services that'll uh, take in those horror movies and and put them out there so people can see them they wouldn't see them otherwise. So I think uh, as we go on, it's just gonna I think gonna get better in in the sense that we will have more outlets to show our features. You know the the new ones coming up, all these things will be able to be seen a lot easier. Uh, even the shorts that that we do because it's the way things are going, we're not, uh, it's not hard media anymore. Everything's digital. Everything's, you know, if I can't have it here on my phone or on my laptop, you know, it's, I pretty much don't have the the time and the patience to go out and buy it and yeah. for it to come in the mail, all that kind of stuff. So uh, the benefits are tremendous, especially for independent uh, films, I think. Uh, people like us that put things together with a, a very little budget and need all the help they can get, this is probably really good for for our kind of people. I know Chris can speak a little bit more about it, but uh, I think it, it only helps us. Yeah, because I know when we first talked and you were having almost the same issue we were having because Amazon at that point had gone from, and, and this sucks saying it, we were going from like 16 cents uh, an hour, minute or some shit like that to like six cents and now we're down to three cents. And I'm like, fuck, dude. And and even then, they were like, well, if you don't have enough viewership, we're just going to take you off our whole rotation. Because I know a couple of buddies of mine, same independent guys, they were in the same predicament that we were, where Amazon was switching over to their new model or whatever. And they just, before you know it, all their stuff was off. And they couldn't get it back on there. They couldn't get seen nowhere else and everything. But like you said, Tubi came around. And that, for at least for us, that was a really big turn for us, positive um, to be. And I saw a lot of my analytics go way up and it's still gone up. And you know, now I'm like, man, dude, every time I look at it, I'm like, fuck, people are actually watching this shit. 
on Tubi because there's a market out there for low brow cheesy fucking zombie movies because that's what mine is you know it's a low budget fucking cheesy ass movie but people love it you know have a cult following which is weird and I, I that that's beyond my fucking imagination chris what what would you say was the same thing for y'all when y'all hit Tubi or when y'all hit the the, the next phase of the streaming networks I say that um, what we basically learned, we made a lot of mistakes in terms of like how to market it. And now, you know, that's part of what I do nowadays. But I figure that uh, you, whatever you're planning on spending to make the movie, you have to put as many resources into how you get your message out to the masses. Because if you make it, but nobody knows it's out there, that really doesn't help you. And that's really hard to do. So you have to really figure out how to target your audience, find your niche, find your audience and kind of, you know, build that, that uh, sense of relationship between your audience and you as a filmmaker. And it's just a lot of trial and error. You know, we tried ads during certain seasons to see if we pick up any traction and we'll do better in certain times of the years, as Mario mentioned, than we do uh, on other times of the year. So it's a, it's a lot of trial and error, but every time I think, Oh, I'm tired of, you know, hey, pushing the same material and stuff like that, we're finding out that there's another audience that's discovering it for the first time because there's so much to go through these days, you know, so much content and stuff like that. And I just look at it as like a learning process to where I wanted to just keep trying a little bit harder and adding more and more layers to my style of filmmaking, the kind of movies that we want to make, you know, and make it worthwhile for the audience. We're putting on a show for everybody. We want to make sure that everybody's entertained. You give us 90 minutes of your time, we're going to put on a show and we hope you enjoy it. Cool. Now, would you say you've found your niche already, especially because again, you, you, you're kind of relaunching your website, your, your face of your company. So would you say you're, you've started to find that niche that kind of like, that formula that works for you? I say that uh, I think we're, we're adapting and we're kind of evolving with our, with the, the time we're trying to essentially follow the trends and keep up with everybody. And hopefully we can kind of build our brand in terms of like the type of horrors, horror films we like to make, you know, and hopefully the people will follow us with, with our evolution of making films. They can see the old stuff, you know, see where we started, maybe use it as a way to like, okay, they, they kind of messed up here. They, they learned their lessons there. And then, and we keep trying to make something that's, you know, personal to us that we're proud of and hopefully appeals to a, a mass audience of some type, a mass horror audience of some type. Nice. Now, is that the genre or or the area, scope of area that you want to stay in with, at least with your uh, production company within the horror? Yeah, I mean, we 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 are horror fans. We love the movies. It was I learned how to do special effects makeup when I was thirteen, back in the nineties, reading out of Fangoria's, and you know, and thankfully, like people like Mario, let me turn them into human guinea pigs of makeup and special effects. And it's just a way to kind of highlight our, our way of making films. And yes, I love making horror films. Uh, It's a true passion of mine. And I feel that if you're really passionate about doing this and this is not an easy thing to do, then you should kind of stick to your formula. But I do like experimenting with different types of films. It's our next movie is not necessarily our next project. It's not necessarily a horror film. It's more of a quirky, dark comedy, but it's also allowing us to kind of 
spread our wings a little bit and kind of apply what we will learn from here to our quote unquote bigger production. Okay. Now I have a question for you because um, I know I talked to Mario about this and and I know everybody always picks on me because I'm a little bit of a snob when it comes to what kind of, of films I, 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 I review on here and the, the directors I bring on. And most of the time they're feature film guys because only it, it's a process. It's a long mm-hmm. process and it's a continued long process after the films were done. But you have short films in your repertoire. Mm-hmm. How do you see your company like not really benefiting, but using the short film format and being able to produce short film uh, format and really, really get to that audience versus your you know feature films? I see um, the more content that we can develop for people to follow and keep them interested in seeing where we go next, the better. And it just helps us uh, kind of acquire more, you know, just to kind of warm up the engine to when we get to another feature film. It, I don't necessarily want to just make short films. I want to make another feature film and I want to make one long narrative film that has a, a very solid story structure, but I just think that, you know, having more content available on all the different stream, uh, all the different uh, social media platforms, and that will just help us create content that we can use to eventually when we get to making our Indiegogo campaign, we'll have all this great behind the scenes stuff and yeah. things that we can kind of push out to the, to the masses. Yeah. Cause I've seen, and, and this is no fault of anybody, but I've seen, projects where it'll be like a twenty, thirty thousand dollar, you know, eight minutes short. And I'm like, man, bro, at that at that level of budget, I guess because I'm a cheap ass, I could do a feature film. Um, but I've talked to other indie guys and they're like, yeah, dude, give me, give me that budget for a feature film any day. And I'm like, I get it, the calling card and the 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 amount of of stuff out there, but where would you draw the line, at least for your company and starting off and maybe even advice as far as like effort and money put into shorts versus the feature? Uh, I would spend very little on a short. And from my experience with uh, having a feature film and streaming, I would say try to keep your budgets very tight just for uh, the benefit of you getting a, an immediate return on your investment. And uh, I think it's, as Mario can kind of go along with this too, I, I think uh, just having a very structured budget based on what you're writing and you know how much you're going to need to spend, how much you're going to put aside for certain things so you're not short anywhere because, you you know, you have a tendency of wanting, in my experience too, it was like putting everything in the shooting budget, but then coming up short in post-production and then later in distribution, yep. you know, having all these things already put aside so you don't have to worry about that when you get past this first speed bump no i'm with you on that one because i know my first film i did this the same mistake um all my budget which was like maybe five grand um and that was all my money i put into the production which was feeding the crew because i'm like i can't do anything else so i'm gonna at least feed the crew um maybe gas money here and there but that was it and then afterwards i was like fuck what am i gonna do now um, and luckily I was just, I just so happened that lightning struck and I was like, okay, cool. I'm in distribution now. So fuck yeah. But even then it still doesn't pay what everybody thinks, you know? 
right. bills. Yeah, and, and and again too, I think you know what we've learned is like it's great to make a movie and make it very slickly and you know well produced and stuff like that, but it also helps to put money aside for your marketing and getting your your word out there to the masses and you know and and I guess too I think it's just you know finding how your stories relate to people you know for some people it's not their their type of horror film they might want a different type of horror film and I think also how you present it you know it's going to be a very tongue-in-cheek horror film a very elevated horror film a very you know classic retro horror film with monsters and makeup effects and stuff like that I think it's really important that you sell your brand and your style of filmmaking to your audience so they can get behind you. Cool. Now, Mario, I know you were talking about earlier about marketing and I have to ask you this because part in part, you're an actor, but would you say you're an actor slash brand ambassador for the company slash producer slash, I mean, how would you market yourself when we're talking about branding? Well, I mean, I mean, I I started doing this acting, and this is what got me to where we're at now. Yeah, um, Chris has allowed me to use some of the stuff that I've been using in my day job, graphic arts, so I could uh, design some of the the stuff for the website or stuff with the shirts. Uh, all the all the products that we're selling in the store now, uh, I've come over designed the logo that we have. And I I put this together and just things like that. I mean, it's it's. I like doing it because it, it allows me to be creative. Acting makes me do that. Uh, this lets me do that. And even helping out on the, on the other side of it uh, is going to help me do that. I just, I want to learn as much as I can from Chris because Chris has been doing it for so long and he's done it the hard way. And I can appreciate somebody who's done it the hard way first because they can appreciate how easy it is now. I say easy and it's not easy, but how yeah, easier okay. it is now yeah. than it was in the past. I mean, just the hurdles you have right now I put that with trying to edit a film on tape, like you were talking about. That's got to be a nightmare. I mean, that's just part of it. And now you don't have to worry about that part. You can just focus on what you can't. But then there's other problems too, right? There's budgets and there's, you know, actors tend not to sometimes get along or things happen on set and people get angry, you know, because it's a lot of things going on. So there's a lot more going on in this whole, you know, in the, in the whole scheme of things. And just having that, not having to worry about doing the hard way. Uh, I can see that Chris now can do what he wants to do. He wants to show his vision, whatever the the, the script is and be able to uh, delegate some of the other things to some of the other people to be able, because when we're doing web day, he was doing makeup, he was directing and he was trying to wrangle people. And and we had, sometimes we had somebody with a thing, okay, this is the next shot, this is the next shot, but not every time. And it's not because of, he was just going to be there. I mean, at the time, you know, he was living in San Antonio and he had to come in to do filming and and you know we just didn't have all the people that I think we're gonna have now and the, the cohesive that we have now. I mean, uh, with Will McCann and uh, Oscar Martinez and Sandy De La Garza and Eric De La Garza and, and Ashley and all these other people that we're, we're getting together. I think we all have the same idea. And I think if we can funnel that in the right places, I mean this next project gonna be awesome they're just going to keep getting better and if we had a, even if we have a budget now any kind of budget uh will be that much more elevated because chris has done so much with nothing i mean literally nothing uh and, and just uh done so much you could see if he had a budget and we had some money i just could imagine how 
how much he can put across. He can buy more lighting, more equipment, uh, uh, more time in, in editing, uh, effects if we need them, I mean, those kind of things. Uh, and things that you, we couldn't do when we were doing what this. So all I see is just great things from here on out. I mean, as far as because, I mean, uh, and that's what I want to be involved with because it is, he's allowing me to learn. And I don't know where I could do this learning project. Nobody's just, just let me, somebody come off the street and say, hey, come help me do this. And he's allowing me to do that. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm happy that he allows me to do that. So I don't mind being in makeup. I don't mind getting all the stuff, the dirty stuff. I don't mind doing all that because it's it's a learning process. And uh, I'll never, I wouldn't, as much as we got that into that makeup and I wouldn't like to do it again. But uh, I learned every time we did something, I learned something yeah. about taking it off, putting it on, uh, how to deal with sweating and stuff on when we have, when it's all hot and you're wearing all this jacket and it's hot with big hair and there's no air conditioning on you, but you learn how to, so the things I'm doing now, I, I just did a short recently and had the same kind of situation where the air conditioning has to be off and it's in an older house and it's hot and you know, you're sweating and I'm, I'm trying not to sweat over makeup that I have on and uh, it's not prosthetics, it's just makeup just to make me look a certain way. Yeah. Uh, I could see uh, all these things that and uh, it's a learning thing. It allows you to learn. Well, how did I do it last time? I was sweating last time. What did I do to cool myself down? And I remembered all these things. And so, just little small things that I, it's helped me be a better actor. And then, and like I said, on this other side, he allows me to be creative. He doesn't say no more. I don't like that. He'll say it. he doesn't like it. He'll say it. But for the most part, he's giving me you know rain just to do something. And then I'll say you know yes, we'll do this tweaking later. But he just lets me go at it, and I love that because. Somebody has me go out, I can just do whatever I want. I'm not in a box and have to do it a certain way. Uh, I can be myself and be creative. And, and I, that's what I said. He tells me to do it, so I'm going to keep doing it until he tells me to stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's badass. Now, I know you brought it up and, and you were excited to talk about this with me um, earlier. So, <clears throat> so I'll let either one of y'all answer. Future projects, as well as the relaunch of your webpage, What's 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 the big news, guys? Come on, talk to me. I want to know the skinny, like, like I I know I had um posted it on you, Chris, when you were talking about um about future projects. I'm like, dude, I can't wait for the next one, because again, I've seen what you did with Muerte, and and I know where you're going, but not everybody knows, and and I'm like, ah, come on, give us a little like a little bit of juicy stuff here. Come on. Well, let's see. Uh... What do you think, Mario? Uh, I would say I that it's. Say. I, I'm gonna not not to give away too much stuff, but I was saying that uh, our next project that we're planning on making is a feature film called uh, Evil Inheritance, and it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of extra effort and time and stuff like that. And for me, it was kind of taking this South Texas vibe, this whole environment, and kind of making in my case, like kind of like a hybrid of like demons from 1985 and maybe like the conjuring kind of the, taking those kind of elements and turn them on their heads. And the one thing I do, and I've been pushing this very hard, especially in all of our script meetings is some good old fashioned practical monster effects, a lot of slime, a lot of uh, bladders and kind of crazy creature effects that we can pull off for hopefully a decent amount of money. And that's what we're going to really push for in our campaign is to get the the funds to be able to realize these uh, bizarre little things that we're planning on making. I, again, I don't want to give too much away, but that's what we're really working on. And we're hoping to have the campaign going on later this year. 
and we're hoping to shoot either late 2023 early 2024 but we have to you know get all of our ducks in a row and make sure that we have everything in line before we go in there because i don't want to i don't want to have to sacrifice something for something else you know what i mean so but that's our big project right there and then uh i'll let mario talk a little bit about the uh the project he's been writing on for a while right now uh well so uh, even when i was talking with you guys i was in the starting of the writing of the standalone El Kukui movie. I've almost done with it. Uh, just time and so much other stuff going on that I put it to the side. And so uh, I'm going trying to get back to it here. It just with this, what we're doing now and production wise, I'm gonna, this probably won't be done until probably around June, July. But yeah. hopefully by 2024 and 2025, this is something that we'll be thinking as a feature. Uh, we still haven't, like, in, they haven't seen the whole script yet. Uh, I've only shared a little bit with Chris, and so he had seen the, the ending, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of rewrites and stuff like that. But I'm hoping that we can get it done by 2025, hopefully. And by that time, we'll have people on Heritage Under the Belt. Uh, people can see what uh, Chris can do with a little bit of money, and hopefully we get a little bit more money for our next project. Which, which, what I, the way I'm writing it, it's going to take a little bit of money. It's not going to be uh, $15,000, but it's going to be a bigger budget movie. You know, I'm talking where I want to have locations and it's going to cost, that's going to be the problem that is location. I'm trying to stay away from CGI and green screen and all that kind of stuff. I don't really want to do it that way, but if, you know, comes worse, we might have to, but the way I'm writing it, it seems it's going to be a bigger budget movie. So um, that's something we hope in the future. As far as the website, um, we uh, put it all together. We've been uh, helped with Oscar Martinez and Luis Alvarado and, uh, all of us already all together, getting together and just kind of put our input and stuff. We revamped the website and it's a lot cleaner and easier to read. If you go to it, uh, it's, uh, you know, got sections for feature films and shorts and uh, news and about us, that kind of thing. So we just uh, did a lot of the graphics, changed them up a little bit easier to navigate through and some of the uh, areas are click through. So, you know, what you just click on it, you can see uh, the uh, blood, sweat and fears for example, the uh, 20 years of the making of night yeah. uh, production, you can watch it right there on the website. So it's really good. Plus, we are now hopefully here in a couple of days. I don't know by the time you put this out, it, it might be ready to open. But we're going to have a, a merch store. So as you see, I, I do have a one of the shirts that we're selling, night Creature Productions. We will be having a lot of different other ones. And you can go actually go right now to the website and, and see them. Uh, if you really want to, um, we're, just, we're just going to have a soft opening and we'll announce it here pretty soon. But uh, it's something that we've really been working on. And I think that it's going to help us build a little bit of revenue on the other side, passive revenue, so that we could put towards equipment and paying our actors and paying our crew, feeding them well, you know, not craft services, but, you know, we're trying to elevate it from Little Caesars, I guess. That's what yeah, a little bit higher than Little Caesars. It always helps. Bit, yeah. So between Little Caesars and craft services, we're going to get. See, and I'm still repping old school. There this you is go. like from back in the old days, right here. He's got the company shirt. I don't even have that right now. Damn, and he's even the first one right here. I know, first one right there. That's your exclusive. You need to have a meeting after this. You're like, all right, right. Mike, what's going on? Holding out, man. Hey, I had to, I had to see you. Today. I mean, I, we're just checking them because this is actually the first yeah. one, and we want to make sure the quality is good before we start pushing it out there. And, I think they came out really, really nice. And so, but there's other ones that are going to be with Who's Face on it. I'm working on a couple of them with the, the ladies for the vampire ladies. I have a face with them. I have one for Will. So, everybody in Wednesday will have 
their own shirt eventually yeah. here. I'm just still trying to get them all going. We're trying to, it just takes a little time to, to work this up. But we're going to, that's another thing. We'll be uh, adding more stuff as we go on and taking things out that maybe don't sell so we can you know, keep it a little bit tighter and not put too much stuff up over there. But we're going to have hats and socks. And if you want a mouse pad with not good production, we can have that too. So uh, I think your whiskey glass, I think we have a whiskey glass that you can buy. I believe so. so yeah. A lot of cool stuff coming. So, so we're happy. We're proud of that. I think it's going to help elevate the company a little bit higher so people can see that what we're doing. Uh, we really mean business. We're not messing around. We're trying to push yourself forward and up and higher. So. And I've always been, you know, a big firm believer in having a story that you're passionate about and, and trying to get your vision across. And that's essentially all I, as long as I still dig getting up there and doing it and putting all this stuff together, that's just why I do it. I've loved it since I was a little, you know, since I was, I guess, like 13 when we were making our first little, little videos back in junior high and high school. And all that kind of stuff. And it's just still makes me, uh, you know, it still makes me giddy and I still enjoy doing it, you know, but I, I'm also kind of learning as I go along and I take everything. I take the good, the bad and stuff like that. And I'm trying to apply it to the projects that we come up with next. So we do take it to those next steps. That's bad. I, I do like the ancillary product um, stuff, especially because again, for independent guys like ourselves, we always, think of making the film but we don't think past that and I know um one of the things that I was I, I'm, I'm I've been into film house I don't know if you you listen to their their podcast but he he talks a lot about how independent guys need to think outside of the box um not just film but what happens next and how to continue rolling your film and making it work for you rather than you work for it and exactly. I exactly man i'm loving everything that you're doing i'm gonna have to steal some ideas from y'all because i'm like man how am i gonna fund the next film but well you know and uh, essentially too we're kind of just observe we're we're doing a lot of research we're observing other people's uh successful indiegogo campaigns we're observing other people's um you know how they how they use influencers to help push their product along along with just you know your typical uh horror stars maybe that you would get in in a medium-sized budget film but you know you get this kind of following around your your actors and your and your people but it should still always be about the film it should never be about one person and or a group of people but i that's how i think about it you know as far as the films but they definitely all work together to make your project come alive you know i can't do this by myself i need mario and lewis and Will and everybody else that you know help me put these projects together so that we, you know, come together with these things and have them out there. And again, too, it's all a learning curve. And five years from now, I imagine there's going to be a different way to do all these things. We just have to be kind of following stuff as we go along. No, I I, I totally agree with you, and and I love the idea, like you were saying, if you could show a continuous learning curve, especially as a small company. To where again you're growing you're growing a product, but you're also growing a uh, um, a backing of people that are gonna grow with you. You know what I mean? And that's your audience, that's your captive audience. But then they're gonna be the ones spreading the word for you, and they're gonna be the ones buying your merch, buying your movie, you know, watching it on all TV and so forth. So it 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 all has to deal with growth, and I and I love that. I love that idea, um, and I'm glad 
that I'm seeing people here, especially here in Texas, you know, independent filmmakers. Underrepresented actually, filmmakers, I might add, too. Yes. I don't believe we get a, a fair shake sometimes, but. No, we really don't. Um, So far, I, and I'll be honest with you, most of the guys that I've I've interviewed either from Cali, from Florida, or from Canada, believe it or not, um, independent guys. And when I, although it's weird, because when I talk to them about being in the independent film um, industry, their level of independent film is a lot higher than ours. But right. in Canada, they have the access to all these actors that are there. So I'm like, ah, okay. We have an, we, they have an unfair advantage over us. Um, now let's get to that. What do you think about Texas being underrepresented and how, especially your company, can make a difference? I think that, uh, you know, as long as we have a voice and we keep producing our unique style of storytelling and improving and getting the word out there, I don't think it matters where you come from. We could be anywhere, essentially, as long as you're, as you, as, as long as you're jazzed about it and you keep putting something out there with our, you know, with familiar faces and stuff like that, I think it's always, it's always going to follow, you know, it's always going to come through. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, people can put locations and areas and stuff like that, but it still comes down to the story you're telling. Would Would you mind being known as a director from South Texas or a director from Corpus Christi? And that's what you would be niched at, or that's what your, your kind of niche audience would be? Because I know Probably, that... I think uh, I think uh, that will be one defining factor, and then maybe a signature style, and then maybe a series of things that follow with it. You know, it's just that's how you kind of get boxed into what type of filmmaker you are based on public perception and stuff like that. And I can't be too concerned about that, you know. But at the same time, that's probably going to be part of the marketing from the creators of Muerte Tales of Horror comes the latest. Yeah, independent horror shocker from South Texas. You know, yeah, you would probably use that as selling points. You know, and just however you want to present it. Yeah, because I know we got boxing with ours. Um, what was it from from an almost all Latino uh, crew? You know, and here comes a zombie film, and I was like, why does he have to like? Why do they got to market it from an almost all Latino filmmaker or from crew, whatever? It's like. That is that really what we're going with? I'm like, okay, whatever. I, and again, I mean, and then of course, it doesn't help the fact that yes, it is a niche film because it's a lowrider zombie film. So right, but it was just one of those things that I, I found interesting that you brought up the fact that you know again we're underrepresented here in Texas uh, as independent filmmakers, but then now you're from South Texas from Corpus, and you're doing low budget you know horror film, which there's nothing wrong with it. I I love. I love me some low, low, you know, the low, lowbrow, just cheesy, good, fucking badass makeup, and just ah, I love story rather than 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 these badass million dollar makeups. And you're like, eh. well, you can kind of see the formula and and some of the bigger films and stuff like that. And then to me, that gets kind of monotonous and stuff like that. So we, I mean, we take, it's just like any other good filmmaker. They take the things that they were inspired by and they kind of flip it and give it its own voice and kind of take it into another direction that, you know, I, 
I'd be freely to admit I wear all my influences on my sleeve. And, you know, I just got a genuine love for the genre itself. I've loved it since I was a little kid. And, you know, I just, I still at my age now, you know, love telling these stories, you know, but I like, I like to expand my base a little bit and, you know, try different forms of expression. But at the end of the day, I, I know that this will most likely be my calling card, you know, at some point or another. And and Mario, what about yourself as an actor, though? Because I know a lot of actors get pinpointed into certain genres. And before you know it, that's the only film that they're being seen in because it's like, oh, yeah, I know he's a good horror genre actor because he could do whatever. Or, oh, yeah, he's a good drama actor or whatever. Um. I guess I don't look at it that way. I, I mean, I've got to look at the stuff I've done. I guess you could box me into uh, horror and slash lawyer, mayor, <laughs> uh, that kind of type, like a suit kind of guy, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and that would have been what I've pretty much been in. Um, this new one, the new short I've, I'm about done, I haven't seen what it looks like, but what we filmed, I think it's going to be a little bit different from what you've seen me in. So it won't see me the same way, I think. And if I could do a little bit more of that, I might be able to spread it out a little bit more, but I like horror. It's like Chris is, I like this kind of genre. It's the thing that I'm attracted to when I go to movies. This is what I want to go see mostly. Uh, I'll go see a comedy. I'll go see a sci-fi, but the horror is my bread and butter. It's what I love to watch. And so if I love to watch it, I want to be involved with that. And so I don't mind if it's me putting makeup on or me without makeup on and just playing it straight in a horror movie. It, to me, it's the acting. Um, and so I, um, I, I think that here, I'm not saying that when we did one three wasn't a challenge because it was. We had to learn. I had to learn history about the Kukui, and we even made up a nursery rhyme, and we did all the stuff that we did that is kind of outside of the Kukui, what's known for. But we just kind of made it our own. But we did some stuff in it. But, but it was for me, it was easy because that's what I like to do. I used to dress up, like I said before, I dressed up for Halloween all the time, and so. It wasn't a big deal for me to to do that part because I loved it. Uh, these other things I'm doing here recently, they're a little bit more uh, dramatic, and so it's uh, it's a change for me, and it, it gets me out of my comfort zone, which is what I like as well because I don't want to get comfortable in this one part where you put stuff on his face and he could be a monster, and it's fine. And, you know, you never see me, and I'm in the prosthetics, which I, again I don't mind. It's just you know I, I don't want to be known as you know. The Lon Chaney Jr. I don't, not that he didn't do a good job because he did a good job. It's just that he always had prosthetics on, right? The majority of the time you saw me, other than when he was not the, you know, the world, you, you, you saw him with prosthetics. And so uh, I, I don't want to be pigeonholed in that, but I know that that's kind of what people know me for. And so I don't mind doing that. Um, I think the other side of the acting part, though, I think that maybe some of the actors that don't do that, I, I kind of, I don't see it a lot, especially people who get paid and stuff. But promoting the movie promoting the stuff that you've done on your social media and trying to push and help the person that doesn't have the budget like i mean we went to stuff if it wasn't for us pushing it you know it wouldn't have been pushed as hard yes we have a distributor yes they did their part of the distributing part but it was up to us to put it on facebook and instagram and get it out there so people could see it and let people know what's going on in our screenings and all that kind of thing uh, we didn't have a marketing group for that we did ourselves and i think we learned a lot doing that. I think it's important for actors to continue on supporting the stuff that they've done to help that person, especially if they don't have a big budget. I don't, I don't think they really care so much if it's too big or Hollywood. 
bigger budget movies because they don't need you for that long, right? They need you to prepare for the week before, and that's it. We're, I mean, we're going on with five years now. We're still moving with it, only because yeah. it's still, it's because it's working. I mean, it, it took a grind, and we figured out where we needed to put the advertisement, where we needed to go, and when we needed to, to push it. And so we learned all that stuff in the first few years now. We know when the time we need to do it. We know when we need to put ads out there. We know when it'll sell. And so um, we've learned a lot that so when we can take this with our new products that we're doing, we can implement all of that. And then on that some, and then, you know, I, I, if, if this is the reason, another reason why I think that paying our actors is or paying the crew is important because when you do that, uh, even if it's just a little bit, there's an obligation of some part of trying to show for premiere um, do a podcast that we're doing right now, speak about it, uh, you know, talk about what you did and a good light to help build this project. It's only going to help everybody involved, including you. So I don't see it. it's hard for me whenever Chris puts something out there. It's not very hard for me just to click the share button and send it off to my friends. So they can see it, right? It's just, yep. it's not very hard to do. It that. just organically so, helps the word get out, you know, and, exactly. and it doesn't mean we have to do a certain thing. I think what also to kind of go off on what Mario was saying there too, is just that as much of it is a team effort to make the project, it is a team effort when your project is done and it's out on social media and it's, a team effort to get all those angles out there to the audiences based on your circle of friends or your circle of actors that are involved in the project and their friends and stuff like that. So it still kind of continues after the film wraps and kind of continues into that perpetuity of social media. I definitely agree with you guys. Cause a lot of times I do see when, especially I've worked on projects as an audio guy, and they're asking me, hey, can you promote, you know, we're having a premiere, but I'm not invited. I'm like, shit, at least invite me to the premiere. I might not go, but invite me to the premiere if you want me to. Like, <laughs> right, you know, no, I, yeah, I, totally. I totally like, I don't that. mind hitting, like Mara said, I don't mind hitting that, you know, uh, reshare button, but bro, invite me to the damn premiere. <laughs> and for me too, and and we we discovered this when we first released, weren't they? I feel that the movie plays better with a rowdy crowd and and yeah. a theater with the sound system and stuff like that. When you watch it on your phone, it's okay, whatever. But you know, it's still being, it's still reaching an audience. But to me, it's still a, a, a it's a, it's a huge achievement to get that kind of presentation of the material, and into an audience, and you get that immediate feedback. I, I know a lot of theater friends that I have too. It's that immediate feedback that you get from a live performance. The same thing when you have a, a theatrical presentation of your film, and you get to see it on the big screen, and then. If something doesn't work, it doesn't play out well, or you don't get the reaction you're expecting, you can kind of take those mental notes or maybe even physical notes and apply them to your next project, you know, or even in your editing, if you're still in that process. But I think that's just uh, another way to kind of build that gravitas about your film. You know, you say, oh, I screened it at Alamo Draft House. I screened it over here. You know, I got this kind of reaction and stuff. Now it's available on streaming. It gives you just that, that a little bit more to your to your plate what would you say about the film festival circuit because i know there's there's a big controversy of whether to hit the film festival because most people are like dude after covid they're played out it's not worth it yada yada so forth and but there's a lot of us they're like dude do the festival circuit because you not only do you interact with other filmmakers but it it might just give you that one person who sees it that might just put in the right 
perspective of the right play because that's what I again lightning struck for me. I know everybody talks about the Kevin Smith and everything, but I was in the right position to where a film festival picked up my film and through that person they recommended me to a distributor and I was like wow so they shit like that still happens and I was really really lucky and I was like man I'm I'm blessed because I didn't think any I didn't think after the 90s that happened but it still does what would your comment be I would say that it's important to do the film festivals or at least as many as you are accepted to before that just the networking like you said right there because you never know where these uh where these uh, interactions will lead into, you might find your next potential lead actor or lead actress, your next crew person, your next producer, your next distributor. Um, and it just, it just opens that canvas for you. And it's just a great way to network with other filmmakers. And you will kind of see everybody has different war stories and you can kind of talk shop and kind of like what we're doing right now and compare notes about what worked, what didn't work and stuff like that. If the film, if the uh, film festivals like stuff does, they hold workshops for filmmakers too. So they can kind of have that little bit of a, of a, of a Ted talk, I guess, or something like that, where we can kind of get all that feedback and stuff like that. And then also too, you might also get that rave review that helps you elevate that you can put on the bottom of the, of the film poster too, you know, or add it to your uh, website, you know, for, uh, for promotional purposes as well. There's no, there's no harm in it. Yeah, it can be a duck shoot as far as like who, where to go and who to go with and stuff like that and exclusivity issues and stuff. But in the general sense of the term, yes, uh, go, you know, as much as you can. Now, you you pointed out something and I like bringing this up whenever I can, especially with independent, low budget films. Um, I got hit, my first time I got hit, with a really really bad review and it fucking stung and i mean it stung and i've asked this question to several other filmmakers and it everybody has a different way of, of dealing with that one review that just like why am i still doing this why am i getting why the fuck am i even alive on earth like how do you deal with that how did you deal with it uh, initially it's, uh, when you're so attached to a project, you, you know, you're very defensive about it and I, and it's an understandable feeling and, uh, you have to have that sense of like, well, this is what I made it for. This is the resources I had. You're going to have to take the good with the bad and everybody's going to have an opinion. We live in a society now where opinions are pretty out there all the time. So it's good to kind of look at it know it exists and kind of maybe use some of that to kind of prove them wrong on your next one if you get the opportunity to do so and stuff like that but again you know it's it's always again just like when you go to a film festival and you don't know who you're going to meet and how it's going to be received the same thing on social media same thing on uh, imdb or letterbox or something like that you got to find that separation of your ego and your sense of uh value i guess you know in terms of like i'm going to take this i'm going to run with it i'm going to put it into my next project and just kind of deal with it and stuff like that i mean it, it's all if you think about it it's all marketing research you know what worked what didn't work i, I like that I, I that's a new additional tool for my toolbox marketing research thank you oh because somebody had told me how to how to see it or how to perceive a bad review and i was like man dude that because they were like look 
first of all, somebody watched the film. They watched it through and through. That's one. Two, they sat there and they they contemplated how to write a shitty review on your film. And then they wrote it. Then they posted it. Then they, I was like, wow, they really put some time. And so they're like, so really, when you think about it, they're they're thinking of you as a real film. And when you say a real film, they're like, they, they want it more and you made them feel something. I was like, wow. So that that kind of got me over that initial hump because it was my first film, like I said. And I was like, man, dude, that I suck ass. I mean, I still do, but at least I feel better about it now. Um, Mario, what about yourself as an actor, though? I know you probably get like, oh, that motherfucker's fat, ugly, fell. I hate his haircut. You know, he wears glasses. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I've never had a bad review ever. <laughs> oh, of course not. You know, how do you deal with so many great reviews? <laughs> I've heard. No. No, I mean, I'm just thinking back what Chris said. I mean, we uh, we did get a few on what the, you know, but, but I think I I kind of look at it this way. When we go to film festivals, when we, I have to say stuff for sure. You had a lot of response. A lot of it was that there was some criticism, but not like mean criticism. And the people that I talked to uh, told me the good things about what they saw. And they did might have said something, maybe it just could have been a little bit tighter, but for the most part, you know, not having a budget and doing what you did, it, it, it's a film that, you know, you put out there, it's great. Uh, so I didn't see it to the point of being, it's, you know, some of these guys that were negative on some of these online guys, they're just, that's all they do is criticize movies, is they don't put movies together themselves, most likely. And so the critics, or if they do, uh, they judge everybody with a with a wide brush, you know. It's like we don't have we didn't have all the things that some of these bigger guys do. And some of these bigger guys who are ten million, twenty million dollar movies, you know, there's some sucky twenty million dollar movies. There's like oh, yeah. sucky and, and real, are real good low budget movies if you just look at it. But people that know understand how to put a movie together from start to finish could give more credit to us because they know what we've gone through as opposed to somebody who doesn't live in South Texas who, or in this area or doesn't know the atmosphere or how we had to film or the, the locations we had to get and all that kind of thing where they, they might have it easier in a Canada or up north or whatever uh, for them for the new things or they might have more money or there might be a lot of things that they are allowed to to for like I said, there's some really good uh, reviews that pointed out the things that we were hoping they would uh, uh, people were pointing out the, the makeup and that was kind of a thing that, that we really pushed on that it looked like we spent a lot of money on it and even though we didn't it was because the talent that was behind it uh, and the time we took to develop it that was another thing we just didn't slap on prosthetics and just go with it we had a plan we did a live cast we did the molding we he you know Chris went through there and he designed it maybe a few times before he got where he wanted to do it and then the first time we applied it it was a learning process how to put it on and what we needed to do to make things look like my eyes were sinking in or my forehead was a little bit poor and all those things that I didn't even think about would have to go Chris was thinking about it so um those things people don't think about all that right you don't think about all the time and stuff and then, I think it's really good that and I'm kind of going off here on a tangent, but it's good that Chris puts this behind the scenes stuff together because if somebody's really interested in seeing how this, a, like a low budget mill or low micro budget film works and is put together to see it from behind the scenes and see what we have to go through to get to what we have on the screen would opens up the eyes of people maybe a little bit more or give us a little bit more slack. They'll say, well, you know, they didn't have all the money that these bigger guys do. So we can't fault them on some of these things, but 
they, they pointed out some of the things that you know that, that we are not not I wasn't a professional when I did it. I mean, that was, that was my first major feature role or any kind of uh, on film, yeah. Other than some shorts that I've done, so that was kind of a uh, for me. It was like okay, I'm just learning. So I, I'm just anything they said bad about me or anything they even mentioned me was a good thing for me, right? So I I, I took it that way. So Chris might have taken it a little bit hard because he was more involved with putting it all together from start to finish. I was pretty much only doing the acting in that in that movie. So a couple of other things that we've done as far as the, the comic book and stuff, but that was toward the end. But all the other stuff went together. That was all Chris and, and Lewis and all them doing that stuff. And uh that's a whole other thing. I don't I can't even imagine, you know, that some of these people that do criticize these kind of movies don't understand that it takes a lot to get to to what you're seeing. Some people don't do that. Some people just on the fly would just okay, I'll just take a shot and just start filming all radically all over the place and then try to put something together that's cohesive. Uh, and that's a shame. I mean, I I give Chris credit because he understands that he didn't have all this money, so he took a lot of time putting this together. Editing it was a very uh, was a long process just because there's a lot of shots that we didn't have money for that we, he had to you know figure out how to do them. And yeah. to his credit, he, there's a lot of stuff in there that was time consuming on his part that uh, to just on screen for five seconds. You know, it's it's. If you look at that stuff, I, I can go back and I watch it and I see all these little things that he did. It's like, wow, dude. It's like, I didn't even, that looked like it was real and it wasn't, you know. There's a lot of stuff in there that looks like it's all practical and it's like, that wasn't practical. It was just something that he had to do because we didn't have it on set. And yeah. and he improvised and he made me look good because let me tell you, some of those things that I was doing, I was chopping them up. Like you said, you could take, now with digital, you could take pieces of things and put it all together to make it sound like it's great. Oh, like he did such a great job. But if you really see the stuff that I actually put out there, <laughs> Chris, Chris made me look really, really, really good. So that's the power good. of editing. Yeah, just like, you know, it's, it's, uh, I always say that the editing process is just taking those little moments, those little crucial moments and making them stand out and finding the, the little connections. And, you know, that's, that's really what you do. You're just looking for the, the little, magic of a few seconds a few frames whatever whatever it takes to get it all to work as a whole man that reminds me of uh another filmmaker uh man i had i forget his name now but he's he's the same way as you chris we would shoot so much oh brett brett mauser i don't know if you know him i worked with brett that dude will fucking shoot like 30 minutes worth of film and you're like what the fuck are you filming where are you going with this and then an hour later, he comes up with a trailer and you're like, where did you find that? And, and like you said, Chris, it's like 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there. And before you know it, he has a minute and a half teaser mm-hmm. trailer. And you're like, why, why? You, you you guys are the ones that have that magical touch. And I'm like, bro, I, I wish I could have that little bit of a talent when it comes to like cutting trailers or editing, period. But yeah, you are right. It's the magical moments that you you catch the nuances and so forth. But, yeah, Brett, like myself, we came from that background where we shot a lot of news and promos and stuff like that. So it was always cover yourself, cover yourself, cover yourself. You'll 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 thank yourself later in editing if you get all these cutaways and these extra shots. And Brett thinks like that, and I have that same kind of thought process too. You know, it's just actually he's from Corpus, isn't he? I believe he's from San Antonio, but he used to live in Corpus. Like I said, okay. we used to work together at a TV station. And, we worked on a couple of films together and stuff. So yeah, we had, we had a lot of that, you know, of course this style of filmmaking is different than mine, but yeah. you know, he, he definitely, and he has, 
he, he, he makes movies all the time. I'm very kind of measured when I do stuff, but yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's crazy as fuck. And I always tell him, I'm like, dude, I, I wish I could keep up with you half the time. Cause yeah, he's one of those, like, he'll sit there and he'll magically come up with a movie off the top of his head. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. It's just, he, and he has all these ideas that is just like laying around and they'll eventually turn into something later. Yeah. Like I said, I worked with him. I, I'm, I, I think I learned a bit from him. I don't know if he learned anything from me, but you know, as far as like, you know his his style his his way of doing things and stuff like that it's just good to observe somebody else besides yourself because you can get stuck in your own tropes you know you can kind of keep repeating yourself and that's one of the things i'm trying to avoid too is you know yeah we're kind of known for this but that's why the first thing out of the box wasn't necessarily a horror film it was something maybe a little different just to kind of keep everybody on their toes you know that kind of thing so but yeah, we're definitely going to go back to whatever we do. But, you know. Now, when you're writing, how would you, what would your advice be to kind of avoid those writing tropes? Because I, I do it all the time. I, I'll be writing. I'm like, fuck, I, I just said that line like a few scenes ago because I knew that 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 same scene kind of works. And you're like, oh, that, that was funny. And then you think about it and you're writing, writing, writing. Oh, and you think something's funny and you bring that same thing over and you're like, oh, shit. Or you saw it or you did in your last movie and so forth right uh uh, my writing process is very difficult i don't know about mario's but mine was uh, i would work on one screenplay get to a certain point put it away start another screenplay get to a certain point put that one away go back to the other one see which one uh, which one feels more cohesive what works the best and you got to put you got and I developed this sort of um, process where I had to write for an hour a day, you know, wherever, wherever it was, you know, I'm glad I got the little iPad and stuff like that, but just an hour a day, made myself write for an hour a day, put enough together to get a screenplay together, and then just started bouncing back with Mario, with Will, with Tara, just trying to get as much feedback. I feel that feedback's really important with those tropes. Uh, does that work? And yeah, tell me it, it's no good. You know, I need that part of it too, just as much as, oh, that's great and stuff. What works, what don't, doesn't work and start getting that big script and start making it come into more of a tighter, more con- uh, refined version of itself. And then when you feel comfortable with it, get people to read it out loud for you and act it out and see if it sounds right, if it sounds correct if it if it's if the if the jokes are landing if the horror scenes are getting a reaction out of people and stuff like that and take those notes and apply it to your next draft i mean because if you have no money but all the time then definitely spend the more time on the script just keep refining that script until you get it to where you're i feel comfortable putting money behind this what about you um uh, well, I, I guess on I kind of the same thing too is that I actually started doing uh, Kukui, but then I had an idea in my head about something else that I wanted to do. And I got to a point in Kukui where I got about halfway through and I just couldn't get past that point because I had this other idea in my head. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to stop Kukui and get this out of my head. So I, I wrote it down, got it all out, and, and even put storyboard for it and all that stuff so I can get it out. 
So now that that's out of my head, I've got more room to be able to, to do Kukui or to be able to be more open to that process of where I wanted to end up in that movie. Um, so I just can't keep, I don't know, for some reason I just had this thought, I've heard this music that I heard and and I just this whole idea came in my head and I couldn't get out of my head. And that's what I've learned is that if I have too much in my head, I got to stop, put the pencil down and go do it, get that out somehow, Maybe put it on paper, an outline, something, but I had to get to the point to where I got it to get it all out and I did. And so now I can go back to Kukui. So the ideas of Kukui's have actually, I've actually gone back and seen, like, you know what, thinking about that, that doesn't really work right. And so, and so it's allowed me to go back and read what I wrote, wrote already and then kind of adjust some of the things that maybe, like you said, might be repetitive. Repetitive. Or, uh, don't make yeah. sense in the in what you're trying to say. And you, you thought in your mind it did, but like when you go back and read it, and it did, did it. And so I've, I'm seeing some of those things now. Uh, like I said, as I get past this other point for this short, I'm hoping I'm going to have some time that I can finish it off so we can at least have a rough draft to present to everybody and then we can go from there. But again, that's in the future, we've got other things in front of us, but that's where that's where my process is as far as writing. I don't write a lot other than the things that come to my head. And so other than what Chris has asked me to write for some shorts that we were trying to throw ideas around, uh, that's all I've really done. I'm, I'm just trying to focus on the one thing. Uh, Chris has multiple scripts at one time, so it's kind of, I don't know how he does that. I, but I don't have that big of a brain, I guess. It's just, I can't keep it up. Yeah. It's got to I mean, come you have out somewhere. Head. You have a big head. I have a big head. No, the head is big. It's just, there's a lot of space in there. Oh, okay. Like so you and I are in the same boat. It's not small either, by the way. <laughs> I have a bobblehead, so. <laughs> I, I felt too, like there was like some ideas, that, like parts of the ideas that worked, but some parts that didn't. I was kind of shocked when we did our first table read uh, back in October, how mm -hmm. repetitive the dialogue was, how it didn't kind of ring true. And I was like, okay, that's, let's go back and let's go back to the well and start fixing this up and let's see what else we can come up with. But yeah, it's easy to kind of find yourself writing what you know, which is good and to an extent too. But then there's also finding that what your voice is, but also having the people that are better at it than you are to kind of go in there and maybe edit it for you or you know suggest a few things and kind of it's a it's always going to be a collaborative process everything the produ the producing is a collaborative process the acting director relationships very collaborative the you know even the makeup effects you know you got to have you know the people that are better at mold making and the better at applying and painting and all that kind of stuff just it all kind of comes together in one form or another and again, too, then you'll put all your effort into this project, shoot it, shoot it as best as best as you can, and hope that it does hit the right way. That people will dig it, that they they see where your inspirations came from, where your passions are, what story you're trying to tell, and that it and it does do something. You know that it gets a reaction. That's always the that's the key right there. I would take a bad review and a great review, but nothing or just blankness is probably even worse. Yeah. Actually, I've, I've started to like bad reviews. I don't know why. I guess I'm a glutton for punishment, but I don't know. I guess because tortured artist, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just par for the course. I think you're, you're just not going to make everybody happy. Somebody is just not going to dig it. And, you know, yeah. There's, there's, I, I find it, there's, there's, and I don't, I don't discredit anybody, but I find that a lot of my friends are more quicker to say, man, that's great, David, oh, that's awesome, bro, that's, 
That's great. That's great. That's awesome. Oh man, that's so good. That's so good. Dude, like you were saying earlier, be honest with me. Let me know if if it sucks, it sucks. It's okay. At least let me know now, as opposed to once I've shot it, canned it, and we're we're in the big screen. Right. Oh, dude, that that didn't work. I think it's also it's the way you present it too, that you're you're candid and you have the best intentions, but you're you're not discouraging, you're not talking down to somebody that is in other words, being constructive with your criticisms and stuff like that. It may not be your bag either. It's like, okay, I don't like these movies. I don't know what makes them work. I may not have the point of view that you're looking for. And then you give it to a horror fan and they go, well, it doesn't have enough of this, this and this, you know, then you got to really kind of figure out, okay, where are these points? You know, you know, am I hitting these points? Cause they say something has to happen every five to 10 minutes in a horror film to keep your audience engaged with it. Correct. Something like that. There has to be some major plot point every five to 10 minutes. Otherwise your viewers start to tune out. No, that's why we sucked. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I look at my movies and I'm like, well, I I think we spent too much time on the intro and we could have definitely pumped up the, the action maybe a little bit like 10 or 15 minutes early but you know again too we were kind of like still feeling our way around the uh, anthology mold which means you have to keep restarting every time a new story starts yeah I, 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 whereas uh, a feature film is the cons- consistent storyline yeah no but you're right you you are absolutely right on that one and i don't think i could tackle that on because i have a hard enough time with a straight you know, full feature to not have to restart every 15, 20 minutes, like an anthology. So that's, that's a beast on its own. So. And then finding a good way to tie the uh, elements together too, and make it seem like it's together, but it's really separate, you know? And again, too, I've worked on stuff where other people worked on it and didn't try as hard. And then here I am trying really hard, and then you, and then the whole of it's just like, uh, that's that's not great at all. You know, you're kind of, wow, that was kind of disappointing. You know, because everybody's uh, visions were not on the same keel either. So sometimes it's good to have the same vision, and sometimes it's good to kind of get the perspective of different directors too. But it depends on the project. I think that that's a roundtable. Like all the filmmakers should sit. In a table and it's like well i'm gonna make this story you make that story you do this story we come together and you make the wrap around and we'll put it together and that's probably a, a gentleman's agreement amongst filmmakers right there and that would be great if you ever come up with one of those let me know have i figure it out i'll let you know <laughs> please <do. laughs> oh all right so my time's pretty much running out guys but uh before we do let everybody know where we could find you um shameless plugs i don't care thank you to anybody by all means the floor is yours again I'll take full advantage of it please um so chris we'll start with you again uh well you can find everything that is night creature productions at nightcreatureproductions.com the shorts the features the merch the news there's the film noobs uh link to our previous interview with mario on there with the cool 360 camera on there I mean, it's all on that website, but we're also on social media. Each film, I believe, has its own social media page as well on Instagram and Facebook. And I believe uh, Twitter as well. Um, Yeah, I think that's the best way. But the best link through for everything is nightcreatureproductions.com. 
Where can we find your movie on? Uh, the uh, Muerte Tales of Horror is available on Amazon, Tubi, and Plex primarily. Okay. And also bootlegged, of course. Probably on some bootleg sites too, yeah. Have you Every ever so often you'll see it pop up. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. I, I, I do that mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, how do they get my film on these sites? That's cool. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how you know you su- you've become that's a how commodity, you I guess. <laughs> well, you yeah. Can, like, <laughs> yeah. They care enough to, to rip you off. There you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. When you're doing uh, YouTube like strikes a, uh, on people. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, anyway, so it's my turn. Um, you find me on Facebook, uh, Given to Cast, uh, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, uh, just a couple of shorts. I've done a short here recently. It's not going to come out to the fall, but it'll be in the festival circuits. It's for, uh, uh, I guess it's for one of the college, local college here. Their last assignment, I guess, for for the year. So uh, I helped in that. And uh, but uh, I'll be helping with Chris with our feature project. So I'll be involved with Chris for the next. Uh, how many years we're going to be involved here? It's getting longer. Hopefully, anyway, hopefully we're... <laughs> not too many. Not would. Hopefully not too much longer. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and also, too, we have the nosebleed. We're working on the nosebleed. Then we're working on Evil Inheritance. And, you know, those two projects are coming in pretty pretty quickly. So those are the two main ones right there. Um, trying to think of any other things that we need to mention. Oh, we're still uh, casting, and, by the way, too. Yeah. So if you're interested in casting, there are links on our website to contact Eric Delagarza. He's our casting director, and he'll definitely take your information down, and he'll assign you a day and a time for a Zoom interview, uh, Zoom call slash uh, uh, audition for the projects because we're casting for both projects. Anything in particular you're casting for, or is it just uh, build up your pool of cast? Uh, we're looking to build up the pool, essentially, yes. Um we're, we we don't want to limit anything in terms of that we might see something that we weren't thinking and it might work better. And I'd rather have those happy accidents than just be so locked into an idea of what the script should be. And then we miss out on something. So, yeah, we're definitely trying to cast a wide net. I mean, most of us are happy little accidents anyway. So thank God for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Always be appreciative. Happy little accidents. Um, so casting website movie website um again one more time with the website nightcreatureproductions.com awesome um again guys thank you for your time i do appreciate it i love catching up with you especially with you mario i know i keep up with you from time to time um i know we've worked on one or two projects afterwards and i'll probably try to reel you in for one more um chris if i could work with you if i could be a fluffer or whatever let me know you know, I'm down <laughs> <in> South Texas. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you for the thank you for the opportunity to just let us talk a little bit about our projects and getting it out there while we're still still putting it together too. So, of course, of course, man. Again, trying to support independent Texas filmmakers. I know we talked about not being in the box, but they might as well take advantage of the box, right? Sure, exactly. All right, and again, thank you guys very much uh, for you out there, guys. Um, follow their links. Hit the like, subscribe. Um, if you see the film, review it. Um, help them edit that out because that's what's really going to help independent filmmakers. Um, the review, the shares, the likes. Um, and I'm talking about their films in particular um, because that is really going to help us, especially it's free on Tubi. Watch it. Watch the motherfucker on Tubi for free. It's free, motherfuckers, free. 
you know, hit the like. That's all you have to do. It doesn't cost you anything, you know, and it helps us out making more films, more cheesy, good hard goodness out there for y'all. All right. Until next time, next week, uh, same bad channel, guys. Hey, see y'all and keep watching films.